you for listening to this message from the North Gate. Those that are going to be joining us on the live stream, either right now live or in the next couple days, we want to say welcome. And uh, as you can see, I'm in a posture that I'm normally not in when I'm speaking because I don't want to preach to you. I want to tell you how me and my wife and the Thompsons and the Hebers and the Manichis who are doing different roles, we want to, as the elders of this house, tell you how we live our lives. And we want to let you in on that. And uh, I feel like for some time now, at least since COVID, I felt like I knew that as a Northgate and anybody in our kingdom family who wants to watch this, I knew that we were going to revisit financial blessings. And um, I know that when we came out of the gym and went into um, the move into Streetsboro, we did something called Dave Ramsey. And uh, it was absolutely amazing. It was a lot of fun. We did several weeks of that. And many of you, if you did the Dave Ramsey classes with us, raise your hand in here. Look at how many people. And when we did those Dave Ramsey classes, have our finances not changed from back then, five, six years ago, seven, seven years ago now till now. You know, Ed says it all the time. Most of you are renters. Now you're homeowners. Many of you were driving something that could barely get you to church. Now you're driving something that people are like, they go to that church? So it's just amazing. And, and just to see the blessings come upon your children and just life. And not just cars and houses. Those are the apparent things you see from the outside. But just the ability to live life. And so in that, that blessing comes from one thing and it's giving generosity has to be the major piece of who you are as a kingdom man or woman. If you have received the love of Jesus Christ, then the fact that for God so loved the world, he gave his son hits different when you really receive that love. And then it, it opens up a generosity in you that you don't ever want to stop. And that, that's not just generosity to the poor. That's just the ability to give in anything that's in my world. Anything in my world that I can honor is going to help me prosper and see things differently. And so in that, one of the first things when we start these financial classes is we want to talk about the emotions of money. How many of us in here can just be honest and vulnerable and say, man, I really kind of understand giving in the kingdom. But man, when it comes to spending and living everyday life, I need to understand what I call the seven on seven. The seven on seven for me is the story of Joseph. It's seven years of prosperity, but also understanding don't spend it all too fast because you got seven years of famine. And when I say seven on seven, some of you are not going to relate to this at all, but many of you are going to. Seven on seven is a football term. It's a term that represents seven men on offense and seven men on defense. And the awesome part about a seven-on-seven seven is you need both offense and defense to be victorious. You can't just be good at one and not good at the other. And sometimes in the church realm, we so hammer giving, and we should, and we should never be scared to talk about money. Because we're coming into a society, whether you believe it's the end of time or whatever, however you believe this, Scripture is true that we're coming into a cashless society. And in that, one of the things with Dave Ramsey is Dave Ramsey teaches you to put money in envelopes and use cash as more than possible. 
But it becomes so much more easier today. And this is seven years ago, we did the Dave Ramsey thing. And if you can use cash, cash is king, use cash. But all of us can admit it's very easy in our lives to do the tap, to do the punch the code, to swipe it. It's just quick and it's faster becoming a cashless society. And when you're using that card, you don't realize I'm the worst. I am the king at the worst. Tina's going to laugh here in a second when I say this. I'm the guy that the marketers, they, they aim at me. See, every time. They're aiming at Jimmy Lovejoy. I walk into Target. I'm like, ooh, that's five bucks. She said, no, that's six. Ooh, that's $9. No, that's 10. I round down, even though there's a 99 there. It's one cent from being something bigger. I collapse that thing all the way down and call it smaller than what it is. Yeah, disrespect the sense is what I do. And so in that, coming into a cashless society, literally your change that used to get you popsicles, used to get you baseball cards, used to dig through the couch in our culture and generation of growing up, that change in the couch used to get you something. Now that change in the couch is getting you in trouble because now you're spending a little bit more and then where did that $10 go and where did that $20 go and where did that $30 go and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a place of the emotions of money we need to ask ourselves as kingdom sons and daughters in the earth does money change a person does money change your attitude and you need to answer this correctly in a way of does more money make you feel a certain way and does less money make you certain feel a certain way? Because when you become rooted in Jesus Christ, see, we say this all the time with words. Those who are rooted in Christ aren't easily offended. So if those who are rooted in Christ aren't easily offended, then those who are rooted in Christ, when the day of the seven years of a little bit of struggle comes, you don't freak out. Why? Because he's with you. When plenty comes... I need to know where to honor. I need to know where to give, but I also need to know where to save. I have to know where to live my life in such a balance and such a peace that I can live in such a prosperity that when the Lord gives me a little, he says, I can give you a little bit more. And when the Lord gives you a little bit more, he can give you a little bit more. Why are we in this room? We're not in this room because we're doing things wrong. We're in this room because we've done a lot of things good. We've done a lot of things right. And we're gonna do things better. Northgate, Northeast Ohio, you're not the mistake on the lake. I'm going to keep saying this. We're not the poverty state. We are called the crown of Gulliver. We have been prophesied that as Ohio goes, so should the nation goes. Our soil is rich. It is black. It is special. And we have to understand that we are the treasure hitting in the rich field. And there is more to us. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We're the lender, not the borrower. And so we have to know who we are. But in knowing who we are, we have to be confident in who we are. And when it comes to money, one of the biggest things, we're going to have to rise up in our worlds as the Lord begins to bless us. And you have things that you've never had before. You're going to have to learn to just say no. You're going to have to learn to steward well. Let's say it all together here like Richard Simmons. Just say no. Oh, come on, brother. Just, Just say no. Come on, one more time. Just say no. I feel like we could lose a bunch of pounds in here right now. <laughs> Sweating to the oldies. Okay? So hear me in that. It feels confident to say that. 
Now, can you just say no at the gas station? Can you just say no at the terrorist? Can you just say no to Amazon? Can you just say no to the vacation special? Can you, I, Listen, I'm preaching to the choir here. Listen, me and Tina went and got this trip paid for that we went to the cabin. And we were told when you go to the cabin, they're going to try to... I'm, somebody already owns a cabin and they let me use their cabin. And they told me they're going to sit you down and try to get you to buy what I already own. I didn't listen to that person. They sat me down and they're like, listen, just listen to their pitch. And then you're going to get all kinds of free stuff. We already own the cabin. But if you don't realize who you're connected to and what you're connected to, you don't realize that because someone else owns the cabin, it means you own the cabin. And I didn't understand that level of relationship. I didn't understand that level of community. So when those salesmen came at me and they said, you can have this, because it's not just a cabin. It's not just a cabin that you buy. You get points and you get rewards and you get other vacation destinations. You get free Myrtle Beach, Disney World. They start throwing, it's flashy. We already own the cabin. And when the first guy came, I was like, ooh, I started biting and nibbling on the bait. I couldn't say no. And then they're cool. They move you from that to someone else. And that person comes with something lower. And they kept going lower. And they kept going lower. Man, I was about to get this thing for $8,000. I got that in the bank. <laughs> Tina starts calling the people that own the cabin. And she's like, they, you got to talk to them. They got them. They, he's about to buy another cabin. We're about to own two. And she gets me on the phone with that family member. And they're like, Stop. Say no. There are things that you already have access to that you're actually getting pulled in different directions because you can't focus of who and what you're connected to because you can't say no. And all of a sudden, your no, your, your no will help you access more. That's good. Say that again. Your no will help you access more. Because when you want to advance in the kingdom, you're not going to pray for harvest. You're going to look at the seed that you have. And your $5 may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot in the kingdom. Your $20 may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot in the kingdom. Your $100 may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot in the kingdom. Your $1,000 may mean a lot to somebody else, but it means a lot in the kingdom. Your $10,000... Some of you couldn't even imagine giving $10,000 away because you want to spend five when God wants you to plant five. That's why kingdom building can never be about self-income. It has to be about kingdom building. And in this room, we don't have just a group of kingdom builders. You're all kingdom builders. You're all kingdom builders. And when we can say no and we can begin to give and spend and steward our money correctly, then we don't live in the does money change a person, more or less. Can we all just be vulnerable? I've, there's times where I had a lot of money and it felt good. Then there's times where it all went away and it felt bad. Can just be vulnerable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. What happens 
when we become an authority figure like Joseph and it doesn't scare us anymore. You actually learn how loved you are by Abba from the pit to the prison to the palace and all of it was a journey and you were getting to the palace no matter what. But your gateway to the palace is honor. Put up um, scriptures, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. All right, 10 minute intro. I'm proud of myself. Proud of myself. Who are you? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, check this out. What kind of heart? A fractured heart or a whole heart? So you need to watch how you give from your heart if your heart's not whole and your heart can only be whole if it's a surrender to Abba. So when you surrender your heart to Abba, there'll be no fear attached to what you reap. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. And not reluctantly or under compulsion, not reluctantly, which just means just give what you can, or under compulsion, which means out of control, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Leave that scripture text there for a second. And God is able to bless you abundantly. This does not say that you have a lot or you have less. That's right. Now, in the beginning part, it says, those that sow sparingly reap sparingly. But abundant life should not be determined by how much or how little. Abundant life comes from one thing. How loved are you by Abba? And then it doesn't become about the more or the little. It becomes about the thank you for what I have. It doesn't become about the more or the little. It becomes thank you for what I have. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, he meaning God, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread or food will also supply increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. All of this does not come from whether you're rich or you're poor. It comes from you understanding in righteousness how loved you are. Increase will not come did you see what I give? 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 No, no, no. Your, your language should be, do you know how loved I am? Do you know how loved I am? Do you know how loved I am? How can that man give that much away? Because he's looking to reap something big? No, that man gives so much because he knows how much he's loved by Abba. If you notice in that scripture too, it says he supplies seed and he supplies bread. So that's where we have to include Holy Spirit in the conversation with every piece of finance and resource that comes into our hand. Is this seed or is this bread? Is this for me to sow or is this to feed the family? 
Put up Luke 16, 10, verse 11 for me. The one who managed the little, he has been given with faithfulness and integrity, will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. Let me read this again. The one who manages, so he's not even talking about giving right here. Let that sit in this room. The one who manages, this few meetings about money will be more about order then it will be about your ability to give because I'll tell you right now, the Northgate gives. 90% of this house is faithful. There's a 10% that has some inconsistency issues and those inconsistency issues are literally bad theology. It's bad. Your inconsistency to give is just bad theology of knowing how much you're loved by God and knowing how much loved you are by the people you're connected to. So in this, what we're talking about is order. Our apostle says this, if you have financial issues, then you have order issues. Money issues, especially if you're a giver, because God will never let a giver drown. He'll never let, a, a, he'll, I've never seen the righteous say, or a seed begging for bread. He'll never let a, somebody who is a faithful tither, you'll never drown. You may get a little water in your mouth. What's the water from? You don't know how to swim. It's an order issue. If you feel like you're being swallowed by finances, it's because you don't know how to swim and you don't know how much he loved you. You actually know how to float. Your problem is you're drowning in finances because you don't know how to function in what God has put around you. And everybody has the ability to swim. It's all mental whether you can't swim or not. If you're drowning in any area of finances, it's an order issue. And guess what we're going to do over the next four weeks? We're going to learn how to swim. Some of you already know how to swim, so now we're going to teach you how to dive. See, when I was in the Marine Corps, I knew how to swim well, and I became an SQ4 swimmer. And so when I got to Okinawa, guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to dive. Not only did I want to dive, I also wanted to know how to become a rescue swimmer. I wanted to know how to save other people. So when you know how to operate in water, it's not just now having fun, self-indulgence of I know how to swim. I know want to teach others how to swim. And then I want to save others that know how to drown. And then I want to know how to explore and go deep. I want to know how to control my lung pressure when I dive. I want to know how to go see the treasures that normal eyes cannot see. This is about order and mystery. Finances in the earth are literally treasures that are hidden that every believer should be able to tap into. That's why it says right here, one who manages the little has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Go to verse 11. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasure of the spiritual world or realm? Yeah. Some of you who feel like you've capped your walk with the Lord, it might be because you're not stewarding your resources correctly. You know how to worship. You even know how to read the Bible. You even know how to pray. But somewhere the Lord blessed you and you took it for granted. Because it's easy 
when you're a part of, it's easy to make money common and familiar. And understanding that money is keys and gateways of honor. It is gateways of honor to connect you to the right people. I, listen, religious people are hating what we're saying right now, and I don't care. It is leverage. It is exchange. And when your heart is whole, there's nothing attached to what you start to give. And in this verse, it says, why, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures? We've learned from our apostle, treasures are also what? The people around us. We are the treasures. So if you can't handle with integrity natural things, then the spiritual treasures can't be trusted to you. So great employees, children that obey their parents, a wife that submits, a husband that loves. These are eternal treasures among us that we have to, we have to be trusted with the things in the natural with integrity before we can be trusted with the spiritual treasures. So my identity has to be in Christ and not in my finances. My identity has to be in Jesus, not in my money in my bank account. It has to be. I'm not to chase after wealth and riches. I'm to chase after Jesus and he opens every door. Remember, in him, I live and move and have my being. And it's in him is where all my provision comes from. And it's in him is where the depth of the mysteries of the treasures. You're called to go deep. Lender, not borrow, or head, not tail. Kingdom builders. I'm tired of people just saying Christianity is all about heaven or hell. No, no, no. There are seven mountains of culture that we are to take. That we are to have influence in and change the cultures of culture of those mountains. But we cannot change those cultures if we don't ascend the hill of the Lord first. That is our hill that we ascend. And then he places us in the spheres of the culture that the culture should not change me, but it does. I've seen burning men get in the sphere that they go to and not be whole in the heart and the money change the man. And if the money changes the man, then the money will leave too because he's after you. He's after you no matter what. No matter what, he's after you. So I might as well, Luke 16, have it all. And I have to learn that my identity is in Christ. I'm going to pass this on to Elder Jeanette as she has given us some diagrams of what the Holy Spirit has shown her through Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel, which goes into our dimensional movements of how we should live and move and have our being inside Christ is our identity, not our money. Yeah. I'm going to say just a couple little things before Jeanette gets on there. And um, One thing is that Yahweh told me today that he said he wouldn't create anybody that he doesn't love. He didn't create anybody that he doesn't love. And if you chase after money, you're, not going to, you're never going to catch it. So going back to 2 Corinthians, um, I just want to read it. And there was just one little piece in this version that I liked at the end. Let each one give uh, thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart. In other words, you don't have to give a certain percentage all the time. You just have to, you and your wife or whoever have to decide how much to give. And just as he de has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and he delights and the one whose heart is in his gift. And if you go right back to 2 Corinthians 9, 
seven. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Did you know budget was in the Bible? You decided ahead. You sat down. You looked at your finances. You saw what you needed to use for what. You name your dollars, and you decide budgets in the Bible. I was so excited when I saw that. <laughs> so I have to get up to, to do this because I can't see from back there. So as I was studying... Uh, First, it's, I started John 14, and the Lord really told me that this was very important for the Northgate, not to miss this. Um, and it's something that we've heard before, I'm in you, you're in me. If you're in me, I'm in him. You know, you go back and forth, and it's like, gets really confusing. So he showed it to me like this, and I feel like if we can actually grab hold of this, it's going to make a huge difference. So the first circle on the outside, and the, my, I didn't realize my letters were so small when you look at it this way, but on the outside circle, there's the Father, okay? We're going to look at the four circles. Inside the Father, Jesus says, I am in him. I am in the Father, okay? So the first circle is the Father, Jesus is a second circle. He's inside of him, okay? The next circle is me, you. That's where you belong. You're in Jesus, who's in the Father, okay? And then the smallest circle is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So if you look at that, for in him we live and move, and have our being. The circles are what you're looking at, okay? You're in there, okay? It, and it says in uh, John 14, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you, okay? So my knowing that that's how it works, doesn't dictate the, the story, the position. God, Jesus is always in God. You are always in Jesus, and Holy Spirit is always in you. Whether you know that or not, that's what's happening. It already is there. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Right. It's been that way since the foundation of the earth. This is who you are, and that's where you fit, okay? My knowing makes me aware of where I fit. Next slide, please. So, if you look at everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me, to Jesus, okay? That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. Okay, so Jesus is revealing it to the Holy Spirit who lives in you, and you're going to know it. The truth comes through your heart, through 
what Holy Spirit tells you. So in the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they have seven spirits of the Lord. There's knowledge that comes in these circles, okay? There's counsel, wisdom, spirit of the Lord, understanding, might, and fear of the Lord. Those are all spirits of the Lord that actually are sent as tools to help us, okay? They all, in, in this is generosity. Every good and good and perfect gift comes from the Father. He doesn't hold back. He's generous. He wants you to have all of this. He wants you to know your position in him. The fruits of the Spirit come also. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Those things are all in your wheel. Does it look like a wheel between a wheel within a wheel if you look at it with the circles, right? We look at Ezekiel and we think, what was he thinking? And then I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's a wheel within a wheel. And then I'm thinking, okay, the Father, Jesus, me, Holy Spirit, all these spirits, they all have eyes. They're like we're made in his image. A wheel within a wheel with eyes all around. Are you kidding? That's exactly where we were, right? So, so then this just reinforces it. Gold does not become gold when it's discovered, okay? If you, gold in a mine is gold, but it's hidden. It's not useful, right? Now we discover it, and it certainly can be used for currency, okay? So, Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father, the spirits, the fruit of the Spirit, if we use those as currency, if I share my wisdom with someone, Holy Spirit tells me, hey, this would work. I share that wisdom. I might be paid for that. Okay? Does that make sense? Am I saying that right? So all these things, your position, where you are, you just need to be aware of it. Because there's a lot there that you can draw from, come and buy without money. That's what it says in Isaiah. That's what he's talking about. And I never put that together before this. Next one, please. Now you look at it, the circles in another dimension. Okay? So two-dimensional, you see a flat paper that, with four circles around it. Now we stand that four circles up. And we see them in a different way. In um, Ezekiel, as I observed the four-faced creatures, I saw four wheels standing on the ground beside each of them. All four wheels looked entirely alike, glittering like sparkling jewels. Are we not the treasure in his hand? Okay. Um, and the wheels were able to go in any direction the living creatures faced without turning to change directions. 
The circumference of these rims seemed enormous, breathtaking in size, and all four rims of the direction, wait a minute, all four rims were full of eyes all the way around. Regardless of the direction the living creatures moved, the wheels moved with them. And when the living creatures levitated off the ground, the wheels levitated, and the spirit in the living creatures was also in the wheels. You're the wheels, okay? Um, and wherever the spirit went, the creatures went. When wherever the wheels, oh, I lost it. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the creatures went there, and the wheels also rose and went with them. So every time the creatures moved or halted or levitated, the wheels did also because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Now, if you go back one screen, so knowledge went with you, counsel went with you, wisdom went with you, peace went with you, and the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit never moved, okay? They're still, you're still in them. Can you go back to the, there? Okay, one more. So this was how I then saw the four, four living creatures were the, the wheel, the wheel within the wheel, and the four living creatures are right around us. They're looking at us with those four faces, okay? The first face is a human face. The first thing he looks at us with is compassion. He wanted us to see us looking at us, like him looking at who I am in him, who he made just like me, and he is full of compassion, full of compassion, perfect love and kindness. Then then it comes then he shows us the lion face and i named that loyalty fearless boldness in the face of opposition and obstacles the loyalty that comes through a lion that's what he wants to see us we can be as bold as we want to be we've got all that inside of us okay then at the bottom behind us was an eagle face and that I named lifts up. He's, he helps us to soar above the things of this world. Um, and then the ox face, he carries our burdens. He's patient, enduring service. He's willing and willing to carry anything that we can't or shouldn't. Um, and it says in, explains that a little bit. And all four beings had four faces, a human face in front, a lion's face to the right, ox's face to the left, and an eagle's face in the back. And each one moves straight forward, moving where the spirit directed them. So if you're the wheel within the wheel, with all of those things around you, wherever you go, they're with you. You can't walk out of the circle. So once you know that you can't walk out of the circle, put Psalms 55, 22 up there. My identity is in Christ, not my finances. 
I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread is the, is the old King James version of this. I want you to look at this. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you and he shall never permit the righteousness to be moved. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. What she does there when she breaks down the Ezekiel within a wheel within a wheel and brings it into finances, here's what I know. Apostle Aaron, when he started Opie, and begin to do everything that he began to do with his son who didn't think he was smart enough. The world told Joshua he wasn't smart enough. They told him he was dyslexic. He couldn't be in a public school. And Apostle Aaron started Legacy Academy, which we start here tomorrow, that has now went from Mobile to like 12 different states. Why? Because we want kids to be seated in heavenly places with Jesus, seeing the throne within the throne. Put her a diagram back up, and I want us to look at this. In, 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 a, in a, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. When you start understanding the four living creatures, and I didn't want to stand up because I don't want to get preachy, but I got to get you to understand this. When you see this wheel within a wheel, when she brought this to me today and we were looking at this, I'm like, I can't stay here long because I'll want to just leave all of this nonsense, be honest with you. Almost what I'm teaching and what I got here is nonsense. This is it. You want provision of the kingdom, these diagrams you get off of Jeanette and we'll have them available to you. This is where the key's at. When you sow priest before the Lord and we'll get here in devotion, when you get to the place when David begins to write, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We shall not be moved like trees planted by waters. You cannot move me. Why? Because I start understanding the heavenly realms I start understanding streets of gold, gates of pearl. I start understanding the face of Jesus, which is perfect love and compassion and kindness. I start understanding the lion of the tribe of Judah. I start understanding that the lion is courage. It's fearless. It's boldness. No matter what obstacles and oppositions come our way, I start understanding the eagle's face to soar above everything. And these are not just words. We're living this in front of you. We're living this in front. Every appliance I had broke this year. If that happened to some of you all, you would have left the church. Let's get real. You would have left. I'm talking every appliance. My hot water tank went, then my refrigerator went, then my microwave went, then my stove went, then my washer went. That's easy 10 grand right there. But we had it and we didn't move. We didn't buy. At times... We had to go into our three to 5,000 savings. And you know what happened? He was faithful to out of nowhere. Here comes up. Where did that, where did this come from? Where did that money come from? When we had to replace some serious things and had some other bills that came about, we, a huge chunk went out of our savings, okay? And I'm not gonna say who, but somebody in this room out of nowhere sows a huge check into like out of left field wouldn't have known it was coming from them. And like, what in faithfulness? I have honored other people and then it came right back to me. But when I gave a couple thousand dollar check to somebody, when I give that to somebody, there's no strings attached, guys. Stop attaching strings to your giving. We read to you through the scripture immediately, you decide what to give which means you have a conversation with Abba. I decide, not just in my tithes and my offerings, 
The 10% was a basic minimal thing that was taught from Abraham, not from the laws of Moses. It was when Abraham's family was saved by a king and from an old way of religion, we understand 10%. Jews live by 10% and they handle 80% of the world's money. So I laugh when Christians don't give 10%. Jews out of religion give 10% and 80% of the world's money goes through a Jewish man's hand. Now us of a new covenant we understand and decided like it was written in the scripture to stop doing 10% a long time ago. I think the leadership of this house, if I was to just throw a number out there, probably gives like 25 to some of these knuckleheads give 30%. And you know what that is? That's their prayer with the Lord. If you would have saw what Mike Manichi and Ashley Manichi lived with when they managed little, remember that little basement house they lived in in Manaway? Brothers living off like $600 a week, starts having kids, still living. Like, you need to do something. He's like, nope, I'm just going to be faithful in my giving. I'm going to be steadfast in my honor. Me and my wife are going to decide what to do. And now a full inheritance is being given to them. So when you see that sphere within the sphere, those are dimensional things. And those are the way of the kingdom. And when you start reading Ezekiel and you start reading Revelation, quit reading it for end times and start reading it for now times. Stop reading it for end times and start reading it for now times that there's some things on earth as it is in heaven that he wants to bless you with that you're going to access through a way of honor and generosity and steward and management. We are called to reclaim the earth and we can't do that if we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. We cannot do that if we're emotionally attached to when we have more or when we have less. We have to be steadfast in all things. In all things, the scripture says, be steadfast, be strong. How do you do that? Know that you're loved by God. Know that he cares. He is perfect love. In his face, Warren is a kingdom builder. He's a business owner. Wife's car is breaking down. This is happening. Lost a couple clients. He call, What's he do? He calls a father. I got some bad stuff going on. My exact answer is awesome. Cool. What should I do? You should stop cutting grass right now. But I got clients. Logic. I could lose them. I, I, I need answers. No, you need peace first. If you live and die by emotions, you need answers. If you're seated in him, I live and move and have my being, he's peace. If you can't stop your job and stop your world when it's hectic and go get away with the king, then you're chasing the almighty daughter. You're not Psalms 24 seeking Jesus, O Jacob generation. Ed Heaver just gave us wisdom. Stop chasing the almighty dollar and chase peace. So Warren did exactly what I told him to do. He came over to this church. He put worship music on. He laid in the floor. How many hours did you lay here, Warren? He laid here for did not cut. He owns his own company. Some of you couldn't do that. But you know what you can do? On your lunch break, go sit in your car and blast worship music. As soon as you get off work, go somewhere and get alone. Find his face first. Everything else will fall into place when you find his face. Don't work a little bit harder, Cain. Because when you work a little bit harder, Cain, and you sweat a little bit more, Cain, you'll be mad at Abel who wanted his face. 
Y'all tracking with me? Because if we do not understand devotion, we will not understand how proximity fixes everything and how my Abba wants to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Matthew 6, 25 and 33 talks about seeking the kingdom. And it tells us specifically, do not worry. Jesus said, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided for you. Your financial issue is a relational issue. Anytime we feel drowning, it's relationship. You, listen, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, let's say it together, food, water, clothing. First things I should spend my money on, and Ed Heaver says it like this, clothing should not probably be up in there unless you have nothing. I'm going to say it like this. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'm just doing it for this one moment. Keep it up with the Joneses. When you see somebody with a new pair of tennis shoes, can I tell you right now, you're going to probably see me with about six new pairs of Nikes. I didn't buy one pair of those Nikes. Did I? No. All six brand new pairs of Nikes you see me running around with, heaven bought two. Father's Day, the church knows I like Nike, so they gave me a $100 gift card to Nike. I don't just go, I go buy the discount. 20, I'll get three pairs of shoes. For I did not, that was a Nike gift card. It was a gift. And then CJ England bought me a pair. And then somebody else bought me a pair. Nika and Dakota bought me a pair. So when we see like Apostle D in different clothes and different things, he's not going out and buying that stuff. When you, see jo- when you see Joel and his Jordans, somebody, some music executive gave him the $2,000 pair of Jordans. And then you know what that joker turns around and does? He turns around and gives those to Mark Casto's kid. When you see significant people in your life that are in positions, that are walking, I'm just using tennis shoes as an example. Find out how they got that. Apostle D has some of the most incredible watches on the planet. You know what he does with most of his watches? Gives them away. Only you can look at yourself and say, am I operating in such a place of identity? I just can't not give. We're not talking about ties. Ties is a command. We ain't talking about ties. We're talking about living a life of generosity or living a life of self-consumption. Do we operate in a high degree of generosity in everything we do? Do you hold doors open for people? Do you do kind acts? If you find yourself worrying about something, you'll only worry about it if you think it's going to leave you. Dude, say that again. You only worry about something because you think it's going to be gone in the morning when you wake up. And some of the things you're worried about leaving, you actually have control over. That's right. You're the one that keeps letting it go. Yes. Keep making it rain. And it ain't at strip clubs. It, it, Christians, it's not at strip clubs. It's at places that, can I just say no? Do I, I put my, Jesus told me, don't you worry about anything. Everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. 
Do you think they worry about their existence? This is why I'm telling you it's important in devotion. Don't just do the give me 15 daily bread. Look at, awesome, read your Bible. Yes, go on a walk with God. Go look at the beauty of his creation. Ohio's beautiful. Some of you think you need to go to the beach when you need to go to Sunny Lake. Or you, how, when have you been to Lake Erie? We had people that came here from Virginia for the last Ohio family gathering. And we're like, what are you guys doing tomorrow? Pastor Phil. We tried to invite Pastor Phil over our house for lunch. And he's like, man, I've never seen the Great Lakes. And he was serious. He's an old school teacher professor. He's like, me and my wife are going to go spend the day and we're going to go. Listen, some of y'all need to look up the old Fox 8 one-take trips. Realize the treasure that's right here in front of you with even in the 40-mile radius. Realize there's some amazing things right here. You ever been to Towner Woods? You know what I'm saying? Some of you have not. Go out and see some amazing things. Have you been to the Canfield Fair? Have you been to the Geauga County Fair? Have you been? Have you been? Have you been? I'm forgetting the island. What's the island up there? Have you been to Pudding Bay? There's another one, Kelly's Island. Have you been there? Have you been to Niagara Falls, which is not far? Have you been to Washington, D.C.? Washington, D.C. from here is five hours. It's a day's journey for you to go and walk in one circle and drive home at night. Look at all the birds. Look at what's around you. Don't they plant or reap or store up food? Yet your heavenly father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable? Listen to what we're saying here again. Finances is an order issue. Aren't you valuable? Aren't you valuable? Ed started it in the beginning of this when I, when I, that's second Corinthians. Aren't you loved by the father? He's not going to let you drown. He's going to teach you how to swim, but he's going to make sure that you get over the fear of water. So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And yet, not even Solomon in all of his splendor. Let's talk marketing. Go back for a second. I got to hit this. It's in my thought. Why would you worry about your clothing? You know what I'm thankful about homeschool for? I didn't go buy brand new shoes. I didn't go buy new school clothes. I didn't. That's all marketing. Yes. That's marketing every year for your kid to put on a fashion show to see where they fit in popularity. Listen to me. It's nothing more, nothing less than that. Your kid didn't need new shoes. Your kid didn't need new clothes. Probably needed a new book bag because they don't care about that and they throw it around and all that stuff. But your kid didn't need a new pair of shoes. Your kid didn't need four new outfits for the first week because we are trying to be indoctrinated by marketers of where your kid should fit in, which will mess with their identity in Christ. I have a master's degree in marketing. So let me just tell you, they spent billions of dollars and put people, lab rats and people, literally, under MRI machines to measure your neurological response to their advertising to get to provoke you for extra dollars. 
I sat in a meeting for a training on poverty, and the lady who did the training, so consultant that charges $8,000 a day, and she went on this rabbit trail. It was the most glorious rabbit trail of my social work existence anyways, and began to talk about as she sat as a diversity consultant on the target board of directors, she began to learn how they do everything and how much they scheme. You know why those big red balls are out in the parking lot? To slow you down. Because if you walk a certain peak, because they put cameras everywhere, they measure your actual speed of walking. You know why you walk in the door sometimes and you almost hit, hit your face in them? They don't open fast enough? Because they know if they slow them down, they can slow your pace down. You'll buy 10, 20% more in the store. You know why the parking lot has handicapped and veteran parking in the middle? So they make you walk further to the parking lot? Why that's all centered. And I remember going in there and like, I hate going to Target because I don't want to walk 20 minutes to get to the freaking yes, store. I can't park yes, in the yes, preach. You know why they do preach, that? Preach, brother, preach. They're trying to, they don't, they're trying to attract people that are going to stay longer, not people like me. They're going to hop in, grab a thing, and run out. You walk, as soon as you walk in the door, after they've done all these little minor tricks, you think, well, that's stupid. I don't do that. Well, they do because they've they've shown to make money. As soon as they walk in the door, you know what they do? They said 70% of the people turn their eyes in a certain direction, and it could be different depending on the store layout. So guess what they put there? All the dollar items, which is actually the most profitable. They make the most money off that. So literally, we know the thing about the milk in the back corner and all that stuff. They literally designed the style of music. And if you have a younger crowd like Old Navy, what do you have? You have fun surfer music, mm-hmm. your bright lights. They, they, they manipulate the particular demographic literally to squeeze extra money out of you. Why do you think they ask if you want it supersized? Why do you think you call Domino's? They, you want to add icy cold Coca-Cola to your order. They don't ask you if you want a drink. They ask you if you want an icy cold Coca-Cola because they're painting the picture in your head yep. to trigger yep. your, Come your on, man. neurons. Come on. Yep. It, it literally, there's, you're surrounded by cultural manipulation constantly. Constantly. And that's why you have to be aware and start to see money is holy because now because it's literally just bells and whistles and we like lab rats just go ding, 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 ding. Yep. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. And they don't have to get you every time, but if they can get you 20, 30% of the time, they just increase their profits 30%. So what he's saying here, it's it's more devious. And going to school and learning about it, I didn't even feel right like working in that field. Because it's so, to me, it's like, it's it's straight manipulation. But that's the world we're living in. Video games, social media are the worst. They literally put this guy in a documentary in an MRI machine, showed him a Coca-Cola logo. And his brain responded to the same exact as a cocaine addict. With Coke, Coca-Cola. Like, you you responded as a drug addict when you saw the Coca-Cola logo. Your whole brain went, oh, I want one right now. Yeah, if you were to talk to any salesman, they, they feed off of your emotions. If you were to talk to any dope dealer, I'm looking at a few X in the room. First hit's free. The, the first hit's free. Come get a taste. But then what? They feed off of your emotions. And some of the best dope dealer bartenders are ones that are good listeners. Just keep sliding you stuff. Just keep sliding you the stuff. I'm here. I'm not here. I'm making money off of you. I'm making money. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about needs where it comes to your kid's shoe size grows. Like I grew up with that. Like when I got new shoes, I had to get them a thumb size big or two thumbs too big. And I hated that because they looked floppy. But literally within a couple months, I grew into them. Like, I get all that. I get that your kids grow and things change and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, man, one of the things that we were blessed with was, was hand-me-downs. 
And we live in a culture that that, that is like a negative word. No, I, listen, my, the Manichis love our kids' clothes. We have three boys. They got three boys. Mike's like, thank God. I ain't got to spend money on, you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. But what that comes, it comes in the circle sphere. It comes in with being connected. You know what I'm saying? When you have a big family, you can begin to do those things. But how much money did America just spend going back to school shopping or the Labor Day sales or the... You see what I'm saying? And all of that was stemmed off of emotional. And we have to, in the kingdom, if we're going to build something and change a culture, then our, we're going to have to stop letting our emotions lie to us and we got to stop spending according to our emotions or according to pleasing someone else's emotions. Because in this stability, Jesus said, don't worry about a thing. Look at all the, if, but if we're not looking, if we're not thankful for what's around us, then we'll always think something else is better. And then when you actually move to the beach, you'll think, well, that's not really good too. Let me move to the next spot. And when that's not good, you got to give thanks every day for where you are and what you're doing. Verse 29. And yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was robbed, in, was, sorry, was robed in beauty with more than, more than one of these. If God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, wouldn't he provide for you even the clothes you need, even though you live in such little faith? So then forsake all your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Let's pause there for a second. Have we talked like this? Have we in moments of emotion of little money? This isn't about giving. This is about your daily living. Have we in moments serve a God, an Abba? And things have happened. Seven years of prosperity, seven years of famine. Seven years of prosperity. Have we in the famine went, God, where are you? Where are you? Jeanette showed us in the circle, if Ezekiel on the throne, in the same place he's always been and always will be, and that's near, you just couldn't see it. That's why Jesus says, look around. Look at birds. It's okay, so don't look at birds. Look at the Yanishes. They just bought a house. Look at Adam and Leah. Look at the Manichis. Look at where blessings is happening. Don't compare celebrate, honor. My Abba has blessed them and loved them and he's going to do the same for me. So we hit rough times. So, So we hit rough times. You know how you get through rough times? Lean on somebody. Don't vent. Don't vent. Don't stop getting around with people that'll waller with you in the mud. Get around somebody that'll make you believe and keep going. Get around somebody that'll pick you up and say, it's not done. Don't quit. Don't give up here. It's not over. From the pit to the prison to the palace, it's honor. Get somebody who will honor you and speak life into you and say, get up, try again. Get up, try again. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Verse 32. For that is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things that your bodies require? Verse 33. It's my favorite one. So above all, 
constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Listen, go after his face. Go after him. It's all falling apart. Then go get him. Go spend time. I don't care if it takes three hours. I don't care if I've got to send you somewhere. I've done it. I've seen people, their world looks like they're falling apart and say, listen, go, get away from here. Take you, your wife, and your kids and just go love on each other and love on Jesus. We'll take care of everything else. That's the body of Christ. That's the kingdom. That's not wallowing in the mud. That's saying a new day is upon us. That's what the kingdom realm and the king is about. That's what the father would do. I was watching BB's testimony from way back when, and he talked about when Eddie would never give up on him. And he even asked him, he said, Eddie, why don't you give up on me? He said, because if I gave up on you, I'd give you a bad image of what your heavenly father looks like. Surround yourself with people that aren't going to give up on you because they understand God's not going to give up on us. And the only way you get that kind of security is in a relationship with Abba. Proximity to Jesus and proximity to the right people fix everything and nothing else will. Go to 1 John. What will make you fearless? What will make you fearless is being around real, genuine, authentic love. Since we have confidence, we have also uh, have great boldness before him. For if we ask anything agreeable to his will, sometimes you're asking for things that's not in his will. Sometimes you're asking for things that you don't need at that very moment. Because anything you ask in his will, he will hear us, okay? Because he loves us, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also will have and obtain the request that we ask of him. If anyone observes a fellow believer habitually sinning in any way, does then that lead to death? Should you keep interceding in prayer that God will give that person life? Now there is sin that leads to death. And I'm not encouraging you to pray for those who commit it. All unrighteousness is sin. But listen, all unrighteousness is sin, but there is in sin that does not result in death. We are convinced that everyone fathered by God does not make sinning a way of life because the Son of God protects the child of God and the evil one cannot touch him. You are protected by Abba even when you're messing it up. Circles don't change. That's why some of that circle stuff might have been too deep for you. Get there. Get there. Yeah. Well, if the circle stuff was too deep for you, then you have to go back to that verse earlier. If you aren't dealing with natural things with integrity, you can't understand that spiritual treasure. Anyway. Psalms 145. Uh, next verse, Mikey. Psalms 145, 19. Every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for. For you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them 
your saving strength. So he gives to his godly lovers everything they ask for, but he doesn't give your surface prayer needs. Come on, come on. We, we ask for and we cry out for very surface level prayers. When he sees it's the iceberg effect, 10% we're praying for, but he's seen the 90% under the surface. So he gives more than what you asked for because he's actually going to the root of the issue. And if only I had this better job, then my marriage would be greater. No, he sees that the way that you're loving your wife or the way that you're submitting to your husband, that root is off somewhere. So he goes and he tackles that. So then you have even more than what you ask for in your marriage. Okay. Um, And Isaiah 55, one through four. And this will be a little bit to what Jeanette talked about with the gold. I know Isaiah's not on here, so just follow me, please. Listen, are you thirsty for more? Come to the refreshing waters and drink. Even if you have no money, come buy and eat. Because it's not about money. This whole night is not about money. This whole night is about knowing that you are the beloved. You are God's favorite and that he wants to bless you abundantly. So even if you have no money, if you've been messing this thing up, come buy and eat. Yes, come and buy all the wine and milk you desire and it won't cost a thing. Why spend your hard-earned money on something that cannot nourish you or work so hard for something that cannot satisfy? So listen carefully to me and you'll enjoy a sumptuous feast delighting in the finest of food. Pay attention and come close to me, which is just more of a realization that I'm within the wheel, within the wheel. Come close to me and hear that your total being may flourish. And then I will enter into an everlasting covenant with you. And I will show you the same faithful love I showed David, the beloved. See, I made him a witness to the nations, an example of leadership as prince and commander of peoples. Look, you will summon the nations that you've never even heard of. Nations who you've never heard of will come running to follow you because Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. This is not about money. This is about the wealth of the kingdom and the wealth of this world will follow when you put first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, everything else will be added. If you have been doing this thing wrong, you just come to him and you trade in your time, you trade in your resources, you trade in your energies and buy from him without money. And he promises milk, he promises wine, which wine in the footnote says it's the blessings of God and milk is the nourishment of the Father. And then when you begin to trust on those things, he lays out the feast before you. You get to dine and commune with the circles within the circles. And then nations you've never even heard of will seek you out. You become sought out and everybody's gonna look to you. And how could you have done so much with so little? How? You came from where? Yeah, come on. You came from Wyndham, and now you're flowing in these blessings? Yep. Or even if you don't have a lot right now, can they still look at you and be like, you're having a happy marriage and children that are being obedient and kind to people? How is this? Because we've come and we've bought from the one who wants to give it all. 
We don't spend our money on the meaningless things. We seek first the kingdom and then the nations will come seeking after you. And we know from Apostle Damon and he's and Pastor Jimmy's been talking, the nations are sons. Or employees. They will find you, sons and daughters you never even thought of that would enter your world will come and find you read how the that, joy. Read how that is written though. This is a prophecy. Listen to how that last piece yeah. is right here. Look, you will summon nations or sons that you've never heard of. Never heard of. Nations you've never, never heard, heard of. of will come running to follow sons you. Sons you never heard of will come follow you. So when you're sitting there, and I'm talking to the employers in the room, and you're going, where are they? They're found in your devotion. Your employees are found in your devotion. Your financial recovery of your company is found in your devotion. Everything is found in communion with Abba. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added unto you. It will not change. The scripture won't lie. Jesus will not lie to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness. And I'll add everything else. I'll even put it in the mouth of the prophets. Isaiah said, sons that you have not even seen yet will begin to come to you Mm -hmm. and begin to serve what I have commanded you to do. But what you can't do is make it about you. That's why you can't be, it's not about being self-employed. If you turn this into self-indulgence, that's why you see a lot of ministries even fall because it becomes about come serve me in my ministry. I'm not doing this in this room so that the North Gate becomes huge. I'm doing this in this room so you become huge. We made a step over the last seven years and we're about to head into the eighth year of being in this city next year. And I say, let it be a new beginning. Let it be what our apostle said on April 22nd. The fire has been lit now and it's not going to go out. And this is the new beginning. This is the fresh start. April 22nd was a new announcement for us, but it'll start with new communion. It'll start with deeper devotion. It'll go with deeper still and remain deeper still. He has to be first. He's jealous for you. He's fascinated with you. He will not because when he came with abundant life, this is the part. I'm just going to live here and be poor to the sweet by and by. Nope, wrong. Wrong. Put up John uh, 10, 10 for me in the New King James. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have more abundantly. If I'm not living in abundant life, then guess what I'm living in? I'm living and running from the steal, kill, and destroy all the time. That's so good. Yes, that's real good. I'm more trying to figure out how to protect my house from the thief than live and walk with the Father. That's why we don't give the devil a lot of credit in this place. Because he can't even touch me if, yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil because he's with me. He can't touch me because I'm walking hand in hand with daddy through the valley of death. And I'm not even giving the death any attention. Because I was given keys to the kingdom. What were those keys? He looked at Peter and said, now I give you keys. Keys to death. Keys to hell. Why did Peter get those keys? Because he was asked one question, who am I? And the only person that can answer that question is somebody of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Abundant life comes from intimacy and it's a promise. It's a covenantal blood covenant promise that is just as alive as eternal life. I've come to give you life eternal. And he also just said, Have I not come that you would have life more abundantly? And that is now and the after. Go to the passing translation of that for me, Mike. 
A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you can even expect. Life is in its fullness. If you are not in expectation, it's because you're listening to a thief and not a father. Live in the fullness of expectation that Abba wants to bless you, even with sons that you didn't even think were coming and didn't even know that it could be this good and didn't even know that it could be this awesome, co-workers that you didn't know could be this good. And this is not just for business owners. If there is frustration in your work, the answer is not give attention to the squeaky wheel. The answer is to give thanks for everything that he's blessed us with and love God because the goodness is coming because he promised it wasn't just a hey i might it's a promise it's a covenant blood-bought promise that you would have abundant glorious and eternal life with jesus and we get duped by the thief to only talk about heaven or hell isn't that funny the devil's narrative in religion is to talk more about heaven or hell than the abundance of living everyday life and jesus talked more about abundant life than he did heaven or hell Ah. Um, next verse, 2 Peter 1, 3. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine Same. Same. power. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Stop right there. Now, Door of the Explorer, right? Door of the Explorer. Just so knows about to come again. You ready? When Swiper comes and she sees it. Dora sees it, don't she? You see what's taking your money. You know what you got to start telling to the thief? Swiper, stop swiping. Or should I say it like this? Swiper, stop swiping. Swiper, stop swiping. There's practicals. We say it all the time. You can buy a mountain of monsters at Costco's or you could pay with the emotional gimmick. That Listen, because I've done it and I hate it every time I do it. When I buy one monster, you know you can get three for seven. I know I can get three for seven. I saw the sign when I walked in the door. I saw the sign on the stupid cooler. And you're going to say it two times because you're going to say one time, you know you can buy three for seven. I'm going to say, I don't think so. And you're going to come back again. You know you can buy three for seven. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That Many of us say that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right, because why? You don't want to be a burden to somebody. You have everything you already need. You just don't know how to maneuver the chess pieces. And it's all already there right now. It said it's already deposited in us. So we can't live with this. Well, if I have this new job, then I can experience abundant life. Or if I get this raise, then I get to experience new life. It's already in you. So you have to be content with what you have now because abundant life is already within you with the means that you have currently in this moment. With what's in your bank today, life and godliness is already present. Come on, man. 
If it's all gone tomorrow and it's down to a penny, what's in there is everything you need for life and godliness right now. Yes. So now we're going to go into some practicals. Are there, and this is a question you have to ask yourself, are there emotions attached to my giving and my spending? I have never, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this a lot over the next four weeks, I have never went into a church service with the thought of not giving. I don't do the tithe thing. I, stop. People that act like that, that they only give when they're given something, you have a bad mentality. Because you know what I want you to do the next time you go out to eat? I want you to go into that restaurant. I want you to eat that meal and dine and dash. You're not going to, are you? Nobody in this room. Because what is what do you say? It's not right. They gave me a meal. They gave me food. They. So when you don't give in this house, when a word has been studied all week and leaders have prayed, you're saying Burger King's workers are better than your church leaders. See how duped our thinking is? You see how duped our thinking is? And I'm not, you better make sure you honor McDonald's and you honor, I wouldn't eat that trash. I hate fast food. I hate fast food. The preservatives, don't get me started. But I'm telling you, in the church, we got to stop dining and dashing. Because we live off of the 10% tithe. Some of us don't even live off that who's watching the live stream. That ain't for in this room because I teach too much against it. But there are people that live off a 10% mentality and they live off a dine and dash spirituality. And you know what they say? You know how you know if somebody lives off dine or dash spiritual mentality? That wasn't a good church service. We should never say whether that was a good or bad. If Jesus is high and lifted up, it was good. If Jesus' name is glorified, then it's good. If love is present, it's good. Quit making this Hamburger Joe's Christianity, which I love Hamburger Joe's, bro. I always pay for Hamburger Joe's. See that as prophetic. Brent, if you're watching, Hamburger Joe's, brother. Listen, we've been, we have been in the services where it feels dry and you're like, the spirit wind is not here. We don't even feel the Lord in this service. It doesn't matter. Those people prepared a place they prepared their time. They are giving to you of themselves. So it doesn't matter if you felt something or not. You've already decided in your heart what to give, right? So if I'm going into a place, I've decided what I'm giving even before I go in and it moves me in any kind of way. It's already decided in my heart I'm a giver. And if it is a little bit more powerful, then it gets a little bigger. I'm just going to be honest with everybody in the room. Because you know what I do? I prepare minimal sometimes. I go in there with, ah, I'm going to give a hundred bucks. And then all of a sudden it's like, psh, no, I got, I got to write five hondo. I got to write a thousand. Like I, I, th- this is silly. If I don't like feel like I want to empty my bank account and like, but if you're grudgingly writing the check or grudgingly reach or you're grudgingly pulling up the Tidely app in any realm, it could be here, Mobile, California, Florida. I don't care wherever you're being duped. You're being manipulated. That the food and clothing and things of this world, you have more peace when you buy a pair of Nikes than when you hear the word of Jesus be preached. This is how you know it's out of order. I'm more excited to give in the realm of the kingdom than I am going to buy food or buy. I ain't bought Nikes in a long time. Some of y'all need to hear, I ain't bought clothes. They've been given to me. 
hats been given to me. Why? Because I operate in a degree of honor that I've watched my apostle operate in, that I watched my brothers operate in. And I said, I want to live like that. I want to live like that. Make, that makes me feel a certain way. But then we've got some other things that we need to start understand. Do I go or not go? Do I buy or not buy? We, there's practical things that in our spending, if we get more of a high off of buying things for ourselves, this is where we know we have found ourselves in the marketing of manipulation. You ready? These aren't bad things, but they're only bad things if these, if the beach makes you feel better than being in the presence. We've got something off. I shouldn't live from vacation to vacation. I am told I can live in a realm of confident rest. I should not think waking up and Starbucks is my answer for the day or Duncan. There are people that are infatuated. Coffee's not bad. It's bad if you're infatuated with it more than waking up and kissing the face of Abba. Just a simple read of scripture, just a simple thank you, just a simple worship music on, just a simple, I, I, I said it on Sunday, with my whole heart, with my whole life. Because at the end of the day, you're going to see the last practical thing. Everything that I do, whether it's giving or spending, I'm passing on to my kids. Whether it's addictions, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's coffee, whether it's caffeine, whether it's... I, literally, the next generation take what we can be manipulated with, what we can be consumed to spend money on, our kids will be consumed to spend money on. But if our children also see the delight in giving, I'll use Buggy as an example. Anytime my kids are going to Mobile, they have money. They've even asked to pull money out of their bank accounts, which I do not let them pull money out of their savings accounts to buy things. But I do let them pull money out of their savings accounts to honor and anytime we go to Mobile, can I pull $20? Can I pull $50? I've even seen my kids say, can I pull $100? Because we're going to Mobile and I want to bless somebody. And it's not always Apostle D. But one good funny story is one time Buggy took $20 and he gave it to Apostle D after Apostle D preached. And he said, Papa D, that was one of the best sermons I ever heard. And <laughs> Papa D goes, Buggy, thank you for giving me your haircut money. That is going to stick with my son the rest of his life. One, the ability to honor, but two, the joy in the exchange, yes. the love language that takes place there. I believe my son will remember those moments. I remember when Trenton and his authenticity, when we went to Kannapolis, he wanted to wear a suit jacket to church and he wore a suit and I have the picture and I'm going to get it framed. I found it the other day in my memories, a picture of him and Uncle Bryn in Kannapolis together, both in black suit jackets. Listen, Holy Spirit told that boy, I'm wearing a black suit jacket today. Guess who else wore a black suit jacket? The Holy Spirit told Uncle Bryn, his hero and Trenton honored Uncle Bryn that night. There are things that our kids are learning inside of giving and honor. Tithing should be taught, but honor, man, that is something that they should experience the lifestyle of watching our parents give and sow into men and women of God. And they should also watch us take care of the poor. They should also watch us pay it forward. They should constantly see us giving more than spending. When's the last time your kids seen you honor? It's only a question you can answer. You create this legacy of wealth 
by allowing your children to be a part of this. Do I give? Do I not give? Do I go? Do I not go? We'll talk to more practicalities of that budget stuff later. Mike's got a story when it comes to uh, spending. How many of you have got your paycheck and then you're like, where the heck did that sucker go? Raise your hand. At one point, even if it's not out. You're like, where the heck did that go? Real high. And so you start looking at it, and you're like, I did what? There's no way I spent that much. You yeah, Tina, go what'd over, you do? Tina, Tina what'd you do? <laughs> yeah, you blame, complain, defend, right? Yeah. <laughs> BCD. Honor, honor uh, Coach. Culture of BCD. <laughs> so, like, you look at those things, you go. So when it comes to, like, emotional, like, when it comes to spending, every single one of us that when we do it bad, I guarantee 80% of it's emotions and 20% of it's knowledge. Just like dieting, every one of us knows that big chicken is not good for us, right? Like, we know better. We know how to die. We know how to do it. We just, it's the emotional side we need to overcome to hit it. And so money becomes an idol when it's used to find comfort, peace, or identity. Come on, man. That's Come only on. supposed to be found in Christ. Yes. And that's the problem. I had a, a client I worked with in housing programs, and I did these some of you know the support group type settings, and she would come reluctantly because it would mandate it to come. So if you were in certain, you know, certain programs, it would have to come, and she would come. Then we hit it off, so we got along, and she loved coming. She'd crack up all the time. She came back one time with this coach purse, and she's telling everybody about it. She comes in there, and she's like, look at my new purse. And she looks at me. She's like, I know what you're going to say, Mike. She had this funny accent. She's like, I know what you're going to say, Mike. I'm like, how'd you get that? She's like, I got my income credit back. I got $700. Come on, man. And I said, hmm, I'm going to buy me a purse. I've always wanted one of them. I finally got the money. I said, didn't you and I talk about getting your car fixed that's sitting on blocks in your driveway? Wow. Come on, buddy. Come and on. she's like, yeah, but she's like, I knew. I, I told everybody. Didn't I tell you before he came in what he's going to say? I was like, how much you pay for it? She goes, 400 don't judge me. I said, come on. Like, you're making so much progress. You had 700 bucks. Isn't there something better you could have done with that money? And she goes, you don't understand, Mike. I've always wanted one, and it makes me feel like a person. I sleep with that thing. I go to bed with it. Wow. So is that an idol? So yes. is, is her yes. Was her issue lack of money? If the government gave her $7,000 instead of seven hundred dollars would it fix anything in her life? Why? It's an identity issue, an identity on the outward. The expression of identity is always emotional issues. If you have an identity issue, you're all rooted in there. It's always going to be an emotional issue. She did, I needed this $4 purse to feel like a person. No, you're a person. I looked at her. It's because you're a person. You're viable. You're significant. Yeah. Yeah. You have value. People enjoy your company. Everyone in the class enjoys your company. You're a person because you're a nice person. You have this personality. You have these traits about you. has nothing to do with that stupid purse. That purse is not. She's like, but it makes me feel like it. It's just because you don't believe in yourself. Yeah. And, That's and if, it, man. If we're looking for identity, we're looking for peace and comfort because the new shoes feel good or the new car, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. Listen, Nietzsche and I talk about it all the time, and you guys probably make fun. I probably get made fun of everywhere I go. I probably got more money in the bank than most people making fun of me, to be honest with you. Yeah. I got a little quiet. My little, little <laughs> chip painted Kia that's like 13 years old has been paid off for 
several years and I, I bust around town and people are probably, oh, look at that. You have no idea how much I give and how much we're saving right. by me having that car. Right. You know why I have that car and not a big truck? It's because that $700 a month payment would mean I'm not saving much money this month. And I'd be married to it and things would be tight. So guess what? I don't get to go on vacation. I don't get to travel to Mobile. I don't get to give two grand when Apostle comes in, right? So when that happens, what's my choice? Do I want the, the cool car that I would really, trust me, I drove his. I would really love to have one of those. And he got a lease deal. He wasn't paying 50, 60. I'm just saying, I really want, Lord Jesus, send me one. And I but don't I'm have a $700 is, truck, I'm looking baby. at the, but, I, but to have that payment, there ain't no way in heck I'm ever going to buy that. That's why I live in a small house. That's why we have those cars. I'm not emotionally attached to my home. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I would like a bigger house, especially with another bathroom. It'd be really nice. But it's not, it's not an issue with me because I'll just make it work. Why? Because my emotions are not attached to my home. It's not attached to my cars. I'm not trying to impress anyone when I cruise the, the church or the Planet Fitness. I, I don't need anyone to be like me. All I'm saying is, listen, I'm saving here. I'm being smart here because I'm not emotionally yeah. attached to these things. So I can honor more. I can do this and all these different things. Freedom is more important to me. Being able to do those things are more important to me. I'm not getting any satisfaction, identity, or comfort out of those materialistic things. Many of you are. The $9 dieties. Listen, Starbucks is like 7 bucks a cup now. When Coke started Coca-Cola, I like Coke Zero. Might have a little issue there. Started getting like 13 bucks a case. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. It used to be 8 bucks, Like a year, like six months ago. Yeah. I'm like, 13? I'm going to have to cut this out. Yeah. Now, there's times I, you know, relapse a little bit. <laughs> get on vacation and relapse. But I'm telling you, I'm just so cheap. You could ask anyone that knows me and make fun of me. I'm just, I'm not just going to pay... $5 more than what it's worth. I'm not doing it. So the emotions, if you get it, like we said since the beginning, you can come in this abundant life. But if you're, if you're getting anything, fulfillment out of money, you're going to, it's only a matter of time. In my classes, this last thing I'll, I'll say on this, my job was in the very beginning was to take homeless people in housing programs and help them get a job. And guess what? Everyone told me how to do my job. Didn't know how, <laughs> we're not successful. That's why they brought me in. You know what I noticed? Hey, they're like, I need a car. I need this. I need that. I need someone to hire me. I would hook them up with a job interview, and guess who wouldn't show up to work to the job interview? So it was the problem. All those external things, the transportation would give them a bus pass. We did all these different things. None of it worked. You know why? Because they were stressed out that morning. Yeah. And when I began to help yeah. them process their emotions, they went and found their own work. I didn't have to. The resume stuff that everyone wanted to teach, the information, it was useless until their interior world began to come in order. Yeah. Yeah. You're always going to blow money. You're always going to waste it. You're always going to be stressed about it. If you're trying to get something out of it, if you're living to, I live, we live financially together out of, we're cool here, so this is okay out here. Yeah. But if I'm trying to take something external like money and bring it here to give me peace, it's only going to last for a moment. Those shoes are only going to look good for a month. That truck's only going to look good for a couple of years, whatever it is. And so that interior piece is going to, and if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what the, the outside stuff you'll do. You'll do, listen, if you're going to be honest in the room, I won't have you raise your hand. Some of you did Dave, Dave Ramsey for about three months until we quit talking about it. And yep. then you thought you could get away with not being accountable and quit doing it. Why? Because you never saw the value. You know what it did to us? Hey, if I don't go out to eat this week, I got a hundred bucks. I could buy five shares of GM. 
Have you ever thought about that? Go to Texas Roadhouse for us two and four-year-old Sam who just eats rolls and off our plate. It's 90 bucks. So that could, that could get me, what, at six to eight shares of GM or Ford? That's a whole nother class. I just want to plant a seed. He, he's head. jumping to the last class. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just playing a no, seed. But there. We're, we're going to get to inheritance because we have to. Yeah. We've got to get to investment. We've got to get to retirement. We've got to break a poverty mindset. Listen, you could have money and still be poverty. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Do you know what poverty is? It's self indulgement. If you get more excited over spending, because literally the Bible says, blessed is a man that gives than receives, correct? So anywhere that I go on the planet, anywhere that I go, I've got to give something before I receive it. Go to Walmart right now and just take something and see if you're okay with it. Seriously, go into any store and just take something without giving it. Are you going to be okay? No, you're going to be a prisoner. Well, guess what you are? You're a prisoner. You live more in the realm of taking than you do receiving, than giving. You, you want to receive more than you want to give. It, it's really the dynamics of American Christianity. We created this card. Come get your blessing. Come get your blessing from the Lord right now. Come get your blessing from the Lord without operating in a degree of honor and generosity first. And we find ourselves arrested, paralyzed, in prison because we, when we receive, we feel better. When the greatest thing you should do is when you give. When you give, I'm asking you, are you keeping up with the Joneses? Are you keeping up with the Joneses? Because I have my parents and Tina's parents sitting here. And it used to drive them crazy when they'd be like, let's go to the amusement park. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And you know what I would have to look at grandparents and say? No. 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 Went years without cable TV. Went, had, had to go to my mom and dad's or go to somebody else's house to watch the Browns game. Why? Because I was never going to put myself in a place where I was at when I first started the ministry. I was in so much debt back in 2008, 2007. I was in so much debt, but making $80,000 a year. I was in so much debt that when I said yes to the call of the ministry and I started getting a $400 a week paycheck and I had to go get on food stamps, I said, I'll never go back there again. I'll ne- finding food is the easiest thing to do in America. How to build wealth and economics and economy comes from management and self-control. And people can get rich real fast. It's called income tax time. I'm glad he mentioned it. If your income tax hits your bank account and within 30 days is gone, because that used to happen to us, we get it, big old fat clump sum of money, and most of the time we'd buy stuff for ourselves rather than pay our bills off until one time we finally begin to realize, you know what? I'm getting out of all this debt because what, you know what we had to do at one point in our life and they'll testify to this. Remember when we first had the nice truck and we had the escape dad's looking at me going, I remember when you had it. They also remember when we had to turn it in and go to a buy here, pay here and pay my car payment once a week and have one vehicle between just me and her while trying to do ministry and do everything that we were doing, we had to back up because I got sick and tired of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I lived in a level of generosity, think to James Taylor, who taught me the really the importance of tithing, then the importance of honor, then the importance of giving. And then you know what's amazing? 
Then God introduces us to Papa D and that crew of people and Brandon and all them. And they take honor to like the next stupid level on the planet. But you want to know what? They live in another atmosphere than people that I was running with then. And if you try to run with us now, you're going to have to run with how we ran in the beginning. And it doesn't mean it's going to take you 10 years to get to where we are. I don't think it's taken any of that. I think all of you are faster along than we are now. But I also know people that are making way more money than me, but are asking for counseling sessions because it's all gone. We're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're asking me to pay your rent. You're asking me to pay your electric bill. You're asking me to put food on your table. There are people in this room. There are people on the live stream watching. That, and I'm not, that's not to beat you up and not give you shame. This is to take a moment and hit these classes and say, we got to sit, hit pause for a second. And don't do it like he said for three months. Because you know what's crazy? You do it for the three months and the pressure starts. You like, you like start to breathe a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the enemy knows to come with your impulse. Yes. He knows where to hit your emotions. Yes. And get you back in the realm of spinning. And the next thing you know, you're in the cycle and it's out of control. You're just like, oh, what the heck? What is going on? First, get back into honor. First, before you even get back into honor, get back to his face. Get back to the most extreme devotion. Quit comparing yourself to where everybody else is at. I don't care where Warren's business is. I don't care that he's got a brand new truck. I celebrate it. I shouldn't say I don't care. I celebrate it doesn't mean I got to have it right now. Yeah. You know what I want to do? I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to buy you a cup of coffee, brother. And I'm going to ask you what you've been doing. I'm going to honor you, Warren. I'm going to ask you what you've been doing, man. I'm going to ask you how did you get that truck, and did you get that trailer, and you got two mowers, and you got things going on. And, yeah, your wife's car is breaking down, and you've called a papa and said, I'm not going and getting a $700 car payment. What should I do? Let's pray. Let's pray that a right vehicle comes along that's good and safe for his wife and his kids, mm -hmm. yeah. that he doesn't have to feel like he's drowning in finances. Well, that's those verses in Isaiah, come and buy of me. And then in Revelation, he tells us what you're coming and buying. You're buying gold that's been refined in fire. Warren and Catherine are gold. They are treasures of the kingdom that have gone through the fire. They've gone through the times where every vehicle is breaking down. And he didn't always have the great truck, but he remained steadfast and faithful in the things of the kingdom. So he became gold refined in fire. Yep. So that is come and buy of me gold. So I go and I, I partake of the gold of the kingdom that is Warren. Okay, now how did you do this? Yep. That's what we come and buy of yep. is the treasures that are around us, people breathing different air than we are. Yes, Mike Manici, Ashley Manici, are another prime example of living in what we would call lack or small, but it was responsibility to where they're in a place that they're in now. Live in a place of honor. You know, Nick and Dakota, I, I could go around the room, Joe and Mel, like Mike, I don't know how many times Mike Clendenin came to me, like, can I leave this job? And we would pray about it and be like, nah, I, I, you don't want to know what I'm getting in prayer. Like the grass ain't green on the other side. Okay. Wouldn't shake him. Now he's like running everything and is one of the highest, but gets free flights to Chicago to the place where he takes his son to go to some big cool Comic-Con in Chicago and his plane ticket gets paid for by the company. He don't have to pay for the plane ticket. Do you see how this works? And then we got other people that try to spend to say, I'm being blessed the way they're being blessed, but you're miserable. Yeah. You're not enjoying it the way he's enjoying yeah. it. 
And to get to the place to enjoy it the way he's enjoying it, look how this man's living. I'll tell you one of the ways that he's living. He's always in here with his teenagers praying. The face first. The face first so his kids don't have to put goat skin on. I'm telling you, man. Like I see the magnitude of blessing when I look around and see people doing what I'm doing. Not spending what I'm saying. Not didn't go buy a new truck because I went and bought a new truck. They're in the prayer meeting that I'm in. They're in Mobile when I'm in Mobile. They're, they're, they're hearing this and applying this. They're not just letting it go by the flip side. We look at Nick and Dakota and people want to like, dude, you should have seen what this boy was doing back before he was married. <coughs> You're not going to jump into that overnight. You're not going to jump the honor that he did. Listen, went out and bought a Nintendo game system when he first got married. Or a PS4 Nintendo, I'm showing my age. Spent $500 on the brand newest, because he had the money. Goes out and buys it. Y'all ain't been married, what, a month? She calls me, says, man, he's playing this video game all the time. So I call him. I'm like, you've only been married for a month. You should be playing with something, and it ain't Nintendo. (laughs) That's how Zarzar got here. (laughs) For those of you that want to know how he showed up. But you know what he did? out of such an honor of a father speaking into his life, I told him to take it back to the store. He threw it in a pond. No, listen to what I said. He chucked it in a pond. It's like something you'd see in a movie. I wastefully spent on something that would destroy my marriage. So here's what I think of it, Babylon. And I can remember telling him, he said to me, you got that stuff in your house. Yeah, but I'm not, I pay attention more to this than I do that. When I play video games, I play with my kids. I don't play even with my kids now. You know why? Because they beat me. (laughs) So no grown man should be playing video games unless you can beat your kids. And nine chances out of 10, you ain't going to beat your kids if you're focused on the right things. You know what I'm saying? And in my house right now, just spending, spending time. When I, I said this in my sermon, when I see selfishness start to rise up in my kids, I take their self-absorbed devices away from them. So right now, the, the PS4 is not being played in my house. The, the, the Xbox is not being played. The Nintendo Switch isn't being played. Our cell phones don't have social media because they're not ready for that. And then on the flip side of that, I, I heard T-Bone and Trenton kind of arguing. And I said, well, you guys ain't even watching TV. You'll watch what I watch. Guess what I watch? About nothing. I watch about nothing on television whatsoever. But you know what we've seen in the last month since we've been doing this? Our kids started playing board games. Our kids started playing cards. Our kids are finding creative ways to, like, love one another. But you know what this leads to? The ability to just say no. The ability to just say no. That will lead you into the place, if they have it, do I need it? Which will get you in a wrestling match of discouragement or pride. Ed, you want to expound on that? Okay, I'm going to read you another verse, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So the verse is 2 Corinthians. It says, of course, we wouldn't dare to put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly. They compare themselves to one another and make up their own standards to measure themselves by. 
and then they judge themselves by their own standards. What self-delusion? Wow. So the so the footnote to that is um, can be translated copying one another. He has made each one of us unique. Pride will result if we see ourselves better than somebody else. And this is the one I see most of here at the Northgate. Or discouragement if we see ourselves as less valuable than someone else. We don't live by comparison to others, but Christ's life in us. So this is a little bit different, but I'm going to ask you a question. Anybody in here would trade 30 years for a million dollars? Roger says no. Anybody else? Cool. I don't have to say much then, but... Okay, okay. I didn't get any takers. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Okay, so look what you'd miss if you gave up 30 years of your life. You'd miss out your... Your kid's graduation, you'd miss out the kids learning how to ride a bicycle. Like Sam would miss out on that scooter. Um, graduations, your kids' weddings, all their birthdays as their little kids. So money is not that important. I mean, it is important, but it's not that important. Your family and children and, and legacy and inheritance is much more important than the money. So what happens when we are missing out on our kids and grandkids because we're chasing a dollar. There's people on the live stream. There's people in this room. You're exhausted when you come home. And listen to me. We talked, we talked about this in the meeting. I can go find probably a 70-year-old Amish man 60-year-old Amish man who's managed his money well, managed his resources well, worked with his hands and his back for 60 years and be in great shape. Find me a blue-collared man who's struggled with how he spends his money and his body's broken. Go find me an old rancher who's done life well and healthy with generosity, you don't find a broken man. You find a man who could live into his 90s. Ed Heaver's dad was a hardworking man. Lived to be 100 years old. When that, that man told me he would whip me at 90-something years old. Like, Brother, I'm a former Marine. What are you talking about? Like, he was serious, too. How'd you get that girl? Looking at Tina. I could whip you. Listen to me. Infirmity will always be attached to poverty because you feel like you have no value so you start breaking down. Yeah. It's not the hard work. It's not. You could work in an office and begin to break down. They've proved it at Google where they stand now at desks instead of sit and they... They try to do all these different things, and it's just, well, how come I can find some people that can do the same exact job and live to be 90 and are strong? It's because they're not being swallowed, what Jesus said, with the worry of what they do with their life. Worry 
takes years from you. And at some point, we have to break what type of emotions of the money we have in our hands that we are passing on to the legacy of our children. We have to teach our children how to give. We have to teach our children how to spend. We have to teach our children who are going to be raised, not in, I got to stand up for this. Our children aren't going to be raised in finding nickels to go buy stuff at the gas station. I got it in the email yesterday. My children have amazing savings account and Chase Bank finally got a child's debit card. I'm like, no, man. I, we're going to have to teach our children stewardship or the system that manipulates them to spend and be emotional attached to things. Yeah. is going to teach our, a cashless society is going to make our children be more divorced, yeah. more broken, more shattered, more anxious, more depressed. Look at what stimulus checks did all across this land. We didn't need those. Come on, let's be honest. If we stewarded our money right, we didn't need those. We didn't need our house payments. That messed a lot of people up is what it did. Think of us in this room, what stimulus checks did for us. I know what we did with our stimulus checks. We weren't expecting the money. So any debt we had, gone. Immediately went right into that. I want you to begin to think about it, man. We can actually help save our children from divorce by teaching them how to steward finances. Two leading causes for divorce is money and intimacy. Do you know that you can save the legacy of your family name? You can save the legacy of your family name and teach generational blessing by stewarding the order. But listen, it's not just about, you'll never be able to steward money correctly if we don't know we're loved. That's the key. You can discipline, but that'll only, that'll only last for so long. Emotions and impulses will come. You have to let metanoia kick in, which is repentance. You have to allow that to come. And one of the things that we need to teach our kids is say thank you for everything they are given. Look at me, let's freeze. Teach your children to say thank you. Even teach them not to say no, but say no, thank you. Teach your children gratitude and generosity in all that they do. Apostle Damon says this, to remain poor is selflessness. Selfishness, sorry. To remain poor is selfishness. Debt-free is about you. Debt-free is about you. Lender and not the borrower are about the kingdom. To remain poor is to be selfish. If your whole focus is on being debt-free, then you just make it all about you. Lender and not the borrower, which means giver. I wish we could change that to be a giver and not just a receiver is what the kingdom is about. And that's from our apostle. I want to end it with this tonight. I want to end it with this. Get your 30 years back tonight. Come on. Yes. 
get your 30 years back. How many times have we not played catch with the kids? Have we not sat down and done something with the next generation because we're worried about money? Now listen, here's the, here's the flip nasty side. But I took them here and I bought them this and I did. They didn't want that. I remember one of the first messages Apostle D talked. He talked about staying at vacation at the Snappy Turtle, not a big fancy restaurant, not a big fancy hotel, and playing with his children on the beach and talking about a man who stayed at the finest hotel that had all kinds of things, resorts and everything for their children while he sat on his laptop and made more money. Let's get our 30 years back. Let's pray with our kids. Let's worship with our kids. Let's teach our kids what it means to be wholehearted in our giving, in our spending, in our management of money. I want, Abba, for you to restore conversations. I want you guys to close your eyes. Abba, I want you to restore right now we're little children, even my own. I want you to heal where mommy and daddy, grandma and grandpa were yelling and screaming about money. We need 30 years restored. God, we need a generation of kids to hear more about goodness and kindness and integrity and honor than where's the money? Where's the light bill? Where's the food bill? Where's the car payment? We're two months behind on the house payment. There are people in this room, you need healed of that and it needs to come to an end. This is one of the most different altar calls I think I've ever given in my life. But some of you live in the trauma of emotional money. Trauma. You can't sleep at night. You can't laugh. You can't even enjoy driving down the road. And that trauma has lied to you about how much Jesus loves you. And where's God? I've given my tithe. I've sowed. I've honored. And that manipulator's come in. And make you think you have no value. I'm asking some of you to open your hearts tonight, even on the way of the live stream. Where has money came in and been a false God and lied to you? And I speak healing in that tonight. I speak healing in that tonight. Because I'm telling you, as this beloved identity message comes, I watch prosperity come to me and my wife. I watched it come to my mom and dad. And I've heard my mom and dad argue about money. Not because they're bad people, but because my dad cared. And my daddy worked hard. My dad went to work every day. And nobody ever taught my dad. And my mom and dad actually handled their money well, what little they had. They have more money today than their bank account than they've ever had because they're finding out they're more loved today than they ever were. I pray for healing in people's bodies where you've worked yourself to the bone chasing a dollar. And even when you have reached measures of money, you, feel didn't, you still didn't feel 
successful. It didn't feel like that draw didn't feel like it thought it was going to feel. That paycheck didn't feel like it thought it was going to feel. The bank account with $50,000 in it didn't feel. There was still fear attached to that. So I'm telling you, you're loved. And you are called to greatness. And you are called to manage a lot. So God, I ask for your wisdom and your counsel and your knowledge like you gave Joseph to take care of our plenty so that we can save in times of emergency. And we can teach this to our children's children's children. And our kids don't have to be raised in the financial fight and struggle. Come on, there's nobody looking around. I want my leaders to stand up that are at the table. There's nobody looking around. If you have stress right now in this room, financially, I want you to slip your hand up. I want you to go to those hands. I want you to go to those hands. If you don't, keep your eyes closed, please. Let's be. If you don't have your hands raised, I need you to pray for people that are struggling financially right now. I need you to pray and let them know how loved they are. Pray that the love of Abba just washes over them. We don't want anybody in our family to drown. And Abba don't want them to drown. So Yahweh, we call on your spirit of wisdom and your spirit of counsel and your spirit of knowledge. And I speak identity in every hand that was raised here. I speak into every hand that was raised whether the spouse raised it, whether it was both, whether it was one, I thank you for that courage. You're getting in the circle. That's the courage of the lion. I'm not gonna, the lion's not gonna let this devour you. The lion's not gonna let this devour you. There's more to you. There's more to you. So I break every lie, every snare of the enemy that tells you you're not significant. I tell you you're significant. So I say, stare at the face of the son, stare at the face of the man where there's comfort and kindness. And he believes, Yeshua believes in you. He created you for greatness. And I declare over the next 12 months, you're not gonna see money just fly away. You're not gonna see money just get washed away and not get it see drained away. You're going to see finances and you're going to give inheritance to your kids. You're going to give inheritance to your grandchildren. You're going to give inheritance to your great-grandchildren. Come I need you to believe that you are significant for a time such as this. So I pray for witty inventions and creative ideas, how to give money away and how my money can make money for me so that I can finance the kingdom and not live in the snare of the trap. How do I survive? How do I survive? How do I survive? Scripture clearly says you'll never have to worry for food, shelter, or clothing. Never, never. He loves you too much. So if anybody's ever had that trauma, where am I going to eat? Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay the bills? I pray healing over those hairline fractures. If your spouse is in here, just put your arm around them. Put your arm around your spouse. 
some of you, some of you need to just, I'm sorry what we've been through financially. Come on, some of you, I'm sorry what some of the arguments we've had, some of the things that have been said. I'm sorry. We're letting all that go today. Love is, beloved identity is coming in right here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's some things that is going to get healed in marriages in here in this. Some of you need to just, just go ahead and embrace it. Don't sit there and just hold them. One spouse is waiting for the other spouse to take the step and go, I'm sorry, and watch this thing, the weight just go. Watch the weight go. Watch the weight go. Watch the weight go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a new day. It's a new you. It's a new us. It's a new day. It's a new you. It's a new us. When you start working as a team in this financial thing, it's going to explode. Now the single people in the room, I pray for your spouse first and foremost, wherever they are. I pray for your spouse. And I pray that when you learn this, there won't be no emotional trauma in your marriages on giving. Kevin, I pray that you never have to argue with your spouse over finances. Come on, every single person in this room, we're gonna be givers, we're gonna honor, we're gonna love, and we're never gonna fight about money because I made a covenant with you for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health. Father, I just ask that you untwist identity and poverty tonight. That there be an untwisting. Every hook of identity, that's, that's every hook of poverty that's wrapped around identity. There's, let there be an untwisting. Let there be a separation now. We uproot that remaining, that orphan spirit that thinks you're not going to provide for us. And that poverty that says there'll never be enough. And we plant the abundant life. That Mama T and the Heavers, that Papa J taught, where they, I saw the invitation like a rolled up scroll tonight when they said, you're invited into abundant life. And I put that scroll on the inside of you. I plan it right now on the inside of you to take the place of every ounce of poverty and that orphan spirit. You are loved. You are adopted. You belong to him. And he's never going to let you down. So I say poverty is gone. Every ounce of thinking is is fleeing your mentality right now. There's nothing going to attach to your mind as a result of poverty. And going back, there's no old more, no old mindset to revert back to. Your new mind is the mind of Christ, the abundant life. He crowns you with abundant life. I'm telling you, it's easy as receiving it tonight as if Miss J, Mama J, took a piece of paper, like a diploma, and handed it over to you. That's how easy it is to receive abundant life tonight. No more fear. Abba, so we thank you that you are breaking any emotional attachment to money. I want everybody to look at me. I did this today with Ed Heaver. I said, this is where the North Gate has to get. Whether I'm giving it or receiving it, it doesn't move my world. It doesn't move my world.
Whether I'm giving it or receiving it doesn't move my world. And when we were talking about this today, Kevin had given me $22. I turned around and gave it to Ed. Ed said, it's right there. And I said, I want to raise up a kingdom culture that whether you get it or you give it, it just becomes a part of the exchange. Whether it's big or whether it's little, it just, it doesn't move me. Because I know he's gonna give me the abundance that I need. And if there's moments where it seems like it may shrink, that's okay too. Because Abba's good. And I'm never gonna go without. I'm never gonna go without. Rest in this confidence. He's got you. Now let's go to the deep. Most of you know how to swim in the financial realm. But I'm telling you, this four weeks, we're going after the treasure. And that's including me. That's including me. I have money in the bank that should be making money for me. I don't, but listen, I don't know that world. But you know what I didn't know? I didn't know what it meant to have money in the bank either. And I have learned that over the last eight years. I have learned that. And so heading into this eighth year of finances for us, some of us need to get back to the one, to the three, to the five. You need to get back to that practical thinking because it's right for your family. Okay, and listen to me. Don't do anything till you have that. We don't need to go to the movies. We don't need to. Little Johnny will be all right. No, no offense, Bollinger. <laughs> Little Johnny will be okay. They'll figure out how to play cards. Uno will actually become something of fun in your house again. But you have to get over emotional attachment with your money, and you have to get over the emotional attachment of your children. Because those up and downs, we created. We create those. If our children see us like this, then they think that must be a way of life. They think that must be, a, that's how culture is created. It's taught. Culture is something that is learned. It is something that has to be done and this is why I told the kingdom builders last time we met, you have to shock the water. Now I'm telling the church, shock the water. And watch me. Shock the water doesn't mean I go get a new pool. It means I take care of what I have. Mm, the easy thing is to go get a new pool. Mm. But guess what will happen to your new pool? It'll get dirty water too. Because what you don't deal with in this season you'll deal with in the next. So me and BB keep telling each other right now. What you don't deal with in this one, you can move. You can get a new job. You can get a new pool. You can get a new house. You can get a new car. You can get a new whatever. And you'll love the excitement of the new. But eventually you're going to have to deal with what is out of order. You can go get you a new church. You can get you a new pastor. 
But eventually, you're going to have to deal with that out of order. And the first thing is not what you're screwing up. It's you don't know who you are. Abba loves you. Devotion, devotion. For those of you that's been around for a long time, when it's all messed up, what's the first thing I ask you? What's your devotion look like? And now I'm learning. I shouldn't be asking you, have you read your Bible? Have you prayed? It's just this simple and warned. Go get alone. Go get alone with God. Go get, I don't care how long, I don't care if it takes days. Go get alone with Abba till you feel peace and you feel loved by him. Then take his love and his peace and together you start fixing what needs to be fixed. Because I've learned this with a pool. You can't just throw a bunch of shock in it and make it clear. We had, our pool was red and then I threw a bunch of shock in and Tina goes, how much did you put in it? I'm like, I don't know. I just put like the whole bottle in there. It went green. And it went all these kind of, and here's what we realized. Because I watched Pastor Jamie when he had a pool would dump a whole bottle of shock in his pool and his pool would be clear. But my pool was in his pool. And my water is in his water. So some of the adjustments that he has to make for his water aren't the adjustments that I got to make for my water. Does this make sense? Find the ingredients with you and Abba to make your world work. The good thing is both pools needed shock. They just both needed different measures. Both pools needed shock for clarity. They just need different measures. Some of you need to lay in the face of Abba for hours. Some of you may need 15 minutes. You'll figure out this one thing. He wants to love you and then wants peace in every area of your life. And he'll rip away everything that is invading that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.